Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. During the 1990s, sporting events in Cleveland, Ohio, featured a front row fan who loved his city and loved his teams. Ed Nara was known as the heckler and was often courtside at Gund Arena for Cavaliers games. He was also president at Cleveland State, John Carroll University, and area high school basketball and football games. He was a regular at Cleveland Indian games and once left a hockey game with a black eye, courtesy of a player from Buffalo who didn't appreciate his approach. Ed the Heckler was praised locally, but didn't receive national attention until a video was posted on YouTube in the last 10 years. The video is from a November 1995 game between the Chicago Bulls and the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Bulls went 72-10 that season and kicked off their second three-peat of the 1990s. In the game, Ed the Heckler focused his attention on Michael Jordan. Who else? Specifically, he was ridiculing Michael Jordan's shoes, yelling that he wasn't playing as well as he did in his previous versions of Air Jordans. MJ doesn't ignore the heckler. At one point, you can see him shushing from the bench. But he went on to score 23 points in just the second half. The Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA championship in 2016, ending a 52-year professional sports title drought for the city of Cleveland. The main reason for the, cha for the championship? A player named LeBron James. James first came to Cleveland in 2003, but Ed the Heckler never got to cheer for LeBron James. He died in 2002. Being present, as Ed the Heckler was, at a sporting event as opposed to watching it on TV can add excitement to the game, even make you feel like you play a part in a win, but maybe not in a loss. When I was a student at Indiana, it was very difficult to get basketball tickets. But even sitting way up in the balcony of Assembly Hall was preferable to watching on TV, even though you could see the game better on TV. It is always better to witness something in person than to see a video or a photograph, right? You know what I'm talking about if you've ever been to the Grand Canyon. Witnesses, that's what our Lord calls his apostles in the upper room. Witnesses, it's what Peter calls himself and John after a lame man is healed in our first reading from Acts. Witness, it's the same Greek word as martyr. Let's look at who witnesses what in today's readings. First in our reading from Acts, the apostle Peter says that he and John with him were witnesses of some things you, meaning his audience, did. Those things are, number one, delivered Jesus to Pilate. Number two, denied the Holy and Righteous One, the same Jesus whom they had delivered to Pilate. Number three, they asked for a murderer, referring to Barabbas, to be released and Jesus to be executed. And number four, they killed the author of life. Make no mistake, it is unlikely that any of Peter's audience had anything to do with the unjust conviction of our Lord or his execution but they are still guilty because they did nothing to stop it. They are as guilty as though they had driven the nails in themselves. Second, Peter and John are witnesses to what God did in these important events. Those things are, number one, 
he glorified Jesus in contrast to delivering to Pilate. Number two, he raised Jesus from the dead in contrast to causing his death. And more recently, number three, God made the lame man walk. The healing of the lame man is the event which brings about Peter's speech. In the first part of Acts 3, an unnamed man who had been lame from birth and who sits every day at a gate called Beautiful in Jerusalem begging for alms, this lame man is healed by God. Peter says to the man, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, walk. The man gets up and walk, and the people watching are astounded. Of course, Peter and John are not the only witnesses to this miraculous healing. The people watching are witnesses too. They have seen the power of God, and they have a story to tell. The proper response to the event they've witnessed? Peter says they should repent. How does witnessing a miracle make repentance the next step? As with all miracles in the Bible, it's not so much about what was done as who did it. I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. The one who can make the lame walk can certainly take on your sins of denial and cowardice and deliver you into what Peter calls times of refreshing that come from the presence of the Lord. And that's the second big theme in today's readings, the presence of Christ. In our Acts reading, Peter and John are careful to invoke the name of our Lord as they heal the lame man. They themselves do not heal. The Lord heals by his presence with Peter and John. In our second reading from St. John's first letter, we see how the presence of Christ keeps us from sin. 1 John 3, 6 reads, No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins has either seen him or known him. Abide is one of those churchy words that we don't use too much in everyday speech. But the Apostle John is no stranger to this word or to the idea. In his gospel, he uses it right at the beginning when he says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That dwelt among us is the same idea as abide. You abide in your abode and your abode is where you live. As Christians, we live in Christ and Christ lives in us. And it is only in that mystical union that we can stop sinning. There is no other way. It is our gospel reading from Luke, however, where our Lord promises his presence to the apostles in the most concrete way. I notice six things about this situation, and somehow I've managed to have the first five all start with the letter R. The first R is reaction. Jesus appears in the upper room, and the apostles react in fear. They think they're seeing a ghost. The second R is reassurance. Our Lord reassures his closest followers that he is not a ghost. He tells them to touch him, and he eats fish. Ghosts don't eat. The third R is rebuke. The apostles should not have been surprised at his death and resurrection. He told them about it beforehand. And not just him, right? Everything written in the law and the Psalms must be fulfilled. The fourth R is revealed. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, this is an important point, so let me come back to my five R's shortly. He opens their minds to understand the scriptures. The reason why they can't understand all that stuff written in the law and the Psalms is because under the, understanding the scriptures takes divine intervention. 
Yes, you can read the Bible like you might read Moby Dick or Romeo and Juliet or War and Peace, but you cannot understand the scriptures as holy scriptures without the presence of God. Back to my five R's. The fifth R is response. Because the scriptures are now fulfilled, and because our Lord has now opened the apostles' mind to understand the scriptures, now repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached to all nations, beginning right where they are in Jerusalem. Now those are my five R's, reaction, reassurance, rebuke, revealed, and response. The sixth thing I notice in this upper room scene is that pesky word witness again. Our Lord says, you, the apostles, are witnesses of these things. Naturally, I respond, what things? Well, these things. Number one, fulfillment of scriptures, the suffering, death, and resurrection of our Lord. And number two, repentance and forgiveness should be preached. Notice that neither of these things is possible without the presence of Christ. They, the apostles, cannot understand the scriptures without the presence of Christ. The scriptures are just words on a page without him, to the apostles and to you and me. They, the apostles, cannot preach without the presence of Christ. Words preached are completely empty if Christ is not present, and not just present in the preacher, but present in the hearer also. I know I've heard some empty sermons in my day, and I know I've preached some empty sermons too. But the presence of our Lord can make even the driest sermon and the dustiest preacher come to real life. The presence of our Lord can make even Leviticus an exciting read. With the presence of our Lord, we can even understand the revelation of St. John. I witnessed in person Michael Jordan's first NBA All-Star game as well as his last college basketball game. It was the 1985 NBA All-Star Game, which was held in the newly constructed Hoosier Dome before it was called the RCA Dome in Indianapolis. As part of the Indiana University Big Red Basketball Pep Band, we were invited to provide musical entertainment for the event. They gave us cheesy red vests and silky bow ties to wear, but I don't think we're ever on TV, so who cares? Jordan's last college basketball game, you may remember that he played for North Carolina, is probably something he'd like to forget. It was the 1984 NCAA regional semifinals held in, in Atlanta in an arena called the Omni, which, like the Hoosier Dome, no longer exists. North Carolina was coached by the legendary coach Dean Smith. Jordan was the best player in the country and he had won the NCAA championship the year before and was expected to win it again in 1984. The opponent was the legendary Bob Knight and the Indiana Hoosiers, and of course, the Big Red Basketball Pet Band, which included me. The Hoosiers had no stars and had already made it further in the tournament than anyone expected. They had a freshman named Steve Alford, who had been Mr. Basketball in Indiana the year before, but it was a junior named Dan Dockich that Bob Knight tapped and prepared to guard Michael Jordan. Jordan was player of the year that year. He had already won an NCAA championship and would go on to win six NBA championships. Jordan had only 13 points in the game. He fouled out with one minute left. Dockich got his fourth foul with 16 minutes remaining and Bob Knight left him in. 
Dockich played for about 11 minutes with four fouls before fouling out. The freshman Steve Alford had 27 points. Alford would go on to win an Olympic gold medal that summer and an NCAA championship in 1987. He's now the coach at Nevada Reno. Dan Dockich is now an analyst on ESPN and hosts a sports-oriented radio show in my hometown of Indianapolis. Neither of them have any shoes named after them. Indiana beat North Carolina but lost to Virginia, so I never got to go to a Final Four with the pet band. Jordan's last college game is on YouTube, of course, and I watched it about three weeks ago. Even though I was an eyewitness to that historic game, I remember very little about it except that we won until I watched it again. At the time, no one knew that Michael Jordan would become the cultural icon that he did in the 1990s. The apostles, however, knew as they witnessed it that they were seeing earth-shaking, literally, events. The faith we witness to is not about good feelings or sentimental traditions or even about loving our neighbors. It is about the creator of the universe becoming a human being on a quiet night in Bethlehem and then some 30 years later being executed on a Roman cross and being physically raised from the dead three days later. And it is about our risen Lord being with us, really with us, in spirit and in truth. And with that truth, we can not only love our neighbor, but we can love our enemies, as our Lord did when he died for us. And by the way, we, you and I, we're witnesses too. I'd like to conclude with the collect from last Sunday, the second Sunday of Easter, which brings out our role as witnesses. Almighty and everlasting God, who in the Paschal mystery has established the new covenant of reconciliation, grant that all who have been reborn into the fellowship of Christ's body may show forth in their lives what they profess by their faith, through the same Jesus Christ our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but I give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.